God's in control, and God's, um, God's got all that under control. Please pray for Ed Hackett. He's also uh, stage four cancer with regard to that, and uh, pray that uh, God would uh, continue to work in his life, and uh, that God would uh, do some great and mighty things there with him. Luke chapter number nine. Let's all stand today as we read God's word once again, uh, and showing reverence to the word of God. Ezra, like I said in the book of Ezra, uh, when he went to preach before, uh, as he was going to read the word of God, they stood, and it's a good example for us. Luke chapter number nine, verse, um, excuse me, I said Luke nine, Luke nine, sorry about that. Um, wrong book. Have you ever done that? How about John chapter nine? John chapter nine. John chapter 9, yes. John chapter 9 would be better because that's where the text is. John chapter 9. Bear with me this morning. John chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they that were before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought him to the Pharisees. Brought, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him, how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He, 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 said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who, is bo who was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake the, his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, 
he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents, uh, therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and, get, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that, that I may believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh to thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a wonderful portion of Scripture. What a wonderful, wonderful portion of Scripture. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the simple truth of the gospel that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And those who are willing to believe and put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ and willing to turn from their sin that we can be saved. Father, thank you today that you, those that come to you, you will in no wise cast out. And Father, I pray today that you would just uh, use this portion of Scripture and other portions as we look in thy word to help us to be confirmed more in our faith. And Lord, if we know not the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the day would be a new day for them, that they would receive Christ once and for all and settle that decision in their heart. Father, we thank you and praise you. Give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Many of us can look back over our lives and see one or more individuals who has had a mighty impact in our life. Perhaps it was a teacher in school that's made such a, a, a difference in your life. I remember when I was in college, I had one teacher. His name was Ralph Turk. I had him many of my classes in, in uh, my senior year in, in school. And he helped me much in helping to solidify the doctrinal teaching. He taught the Word of God, the Bible, and to have, the, have a Bible answer for the things. Perhaps, as you think back over your life, it was a person who worked with you in a particular field, uh, maybe in the, in the area of, of uh, uh, like a secretary or business or one of those areas, or maybe in carpentry or one of those things. You can remember that person. That person taught you the trade. 
taught you how to do uh, that field, and that, that changed your life in so many ways. Or perhaps it was a grandparent or a parent who helped to mentor you and teach you how to work hard, how to love Jesus and his word, how to love your mate. You saw this person taught you how to love your mate. Or maybe to keep trusting the Lord through the trials of life. Or perhaps it was a friend that stood with you through thick and thin. You say, boy, that person, I'm glad I had that person in my life because they were there. They helped me to get through the times of life. You know, we praise the Lord for such individuals. Without their input in their life, we would not be the person that we are today. As important as these individuals are, however, there is still one who outshines them all, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The person who receives Jesus into their heart as their personal Savior doesn't realize the degree to which Jesus will change their life forever. Jesus didn't uh, save us to leave us the way we were, walking and groping in darkness. Rather, he came to change us to be more like himself, to walk in righteousness, to have fellowship with the Father uh, in heaven, and also to walk in the light as he is in the light, to seek and to please glorify our Father in and through our life. In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 38, we find a man who was born with a physical defect. He was born blind. No physician could help to take care of that problem. He was locked into a world of darkness with no hope. Remember, as we read through that portion of Scripture, they said that he was sitting there begging for money from people. That's what he did. That's how his life was. But one day, when Jesus came across his path, it changed his life completely. He received not only his sight that day, but he received a wonderful Savior. He was given new hope and doors of opportunity. Let me ask you a question. What has Jesus done in your life since you've been saved? Jesus has promised in John 10, 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Are you experiencing the, the abundant life? Is your, has your life changed because of Jesus? This morning the message is entitled, Because of Jesus. We're going to consider a few wonderful points about how Jesus changes the life of the believer. Those changes are only possible because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior today, our heart's desire and prayer for you is that you'll come to that place, that you'll open your heart and life and let Jesus come in and save you. I want you to look at this, at a port, at, at this idea this morning because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we, are no longer, uh, we no longer have to stumble in darkness, for Jesus will show us the right way to go. Turn with me to John chapter 8 and verse number 12. John chapter 8, just back a little bit. John chapter 8 and verse number 12. It says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Before we were saved, we were walking in spiritual darkness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, The people that sat in darkness saw great light. To them which sat in the region of the shadow of death, light is sprung up. 
This whole world is lying in darkness. The direction of this world today is in darkness. We live, we lived in our, before we were saved by our own ideas and thoughts of what was right and what was wrong. And those thoughts were guided by Satan. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 down to verse number 3. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. I know the philosophy of, of uh, the world today is that man is basically good with a few problems. You just, you know, get him education and it'll correct the problems. But can I tell you something that's totally the opposite of how God looks at it? All you have to do is look out in the world and see how the world is going. Man is going in a direction at a rapid speed away from the things, the, the teachings of God's word. Here in this portion of scripture in Ephesians chapter three, uh, 2, verse number 1, it says, And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Before we were saved, we were dead. You say, well, pastor, before I got saved, I wasn't dead. You know, I, I was still up and walking. Well, he's talking here not about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. We were shut off toward God. Our desire, our want to, our, our love was not toward the things of God. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I've always known God. I've always loved God. Since I was a baby, I loved God. No, God says you were shut off toward God, just like I was. We were dead toward God. You may have been in a Christian home. You may have been taught Christian principles. But when we come into this world, we do not belong to God's family. We belong to Satan's family. Jesus said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. Folks, when we, got, when we came into this world, we were not God's child. That comes by a decision that we make to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And here in this portion, look what it says in verse number 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, J. Vernon McGee put it this way. He said, uh, And you being dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to, to the age, the spirit of the age, secularism, the course or the principle. Hey, the course, the thinking of this world. We hear so much today about the uh, homosexuality and transgender and abortion and... and, and uh, uh, you know, drugs are okay, and, and well, I heard the other day that our government was trying to help uh, people on having drug habits, that they were, they were spent, uh, it was like $30 million to get blowpipes for people that were on crack and give it out. I'm thinking, these people are crazy. It's the world's thinking. It's the world's direction. And so he goes on to say, he says, uh, the, the, the chorus, the principles of this world, the cosmos, the society, according to the prince of the, uh, prince of the power, the authority of the air, the spirit that now worketh or energizes in the sons or the children of disobedience. We lived, before we got saved, we lived like the rest of the world lived. 
So how does the world live? Fulfilling, as we see here in verse 3, it says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Whatever our flesh wanted to do, we did. Whatever pleased our, our, uh, whatever, um, pleased our way of thinking, we followed. To put it in the vernacular, we followed our heart. That's what the world's thinking is. Just follow your heart, go the direction that you think is right. Whatever you think is right must be right. But I think it's important to note two important things as you read through this portion of Scripture. As you're looking at the, the way that we used to live, look at verse number 2 and notice what it says. The last part of the verse. The spirit that now worketh, notice, in the children of disobedience. Before you were saved and I was saved, we were children of disobedience. Disobedience to who? Disobedience to God. Before we were saved, we were walking and doing our own thing, and the direction that we were going was in disobedience to God. Not only that, notice verse number 3. He says, in the last part of the verse, he says, and we're by nature the children of wrath, God's judgment, even as others. See, if you're lost here today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as, as your Savior, if you're listening on live stream, can I tell you, if you don't know Christ, you are lost and you are under the wrath of Almighty God. It's by God's mercy that he does not judge you today. We are all sinners, for the wages of sin is death. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. It's by God's mercy that he's allowing you to hear once more the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you might receive that wonderful free gift of salvation that God has provided. Those who follow the course of this world are disobedient to God. They're under God's wrath. An atheist was walking through the woods, admiring all the accidents that evolution had created. What majestic trees, he said. What, what powerful rivers. What beautiful animals, he said to himself. But as he was walking along the side of a river, he heard a rustling in the bushes from behind him. As he turned around, he saw a seven-foot grizzly bear. Now, you could, ha you could see that here in Montana. I remember one of the folk that used to attend our church that said they were right up here in Lolo, and she was driving down 93, and as she was going through Lolo, she saw a grizzly bear going over the road into the backyard of a lady who was working in her front yard. And so she pulled in really quickly. She says, you need to get in your house and not go in your backyard. She said, a grizzly bear just went in your backyard. I tell you what, if I heard of that there was a grizzly bear in my backyard, I'd stay out of my backyard too. My wife and I, we were sitting in our, in our, uh, in our house, and, and we were actually, at, not in our house, we were on the patio looking out, and uh, there was a trailer, kind of a trailer court that's over just a little ways away, and, and um, my wife mentioned to me, she says, honey, look, look at that going across the, the yard right there, and this thing had a long tail. It looked like a cat, but it was a long-tailed cat. Later, on, later, we heard on the news that there had been a, a uh, mountain lion that had come through the school and come through that area and was going, going that way. Uh, I tell you what, it makes you want to go inside. Get your gun and get ready, man. But here, this man, he heard this rustling, saw this seven-foot uh, grizzly bear, 
And uh, she, he, he, he started running and running and running. And you know, grizzly bears, they can flat out haul. You hear people getting mauled every year in our area because they were out jogging or something like that, and, and here all of a sudden a grizzly bear comes upon. Well, I'll tell you what, this guy started running. His heart was pounding. I mean, he was, he, this grizzly bear was closing in on him. He looked over his shoulder, and as he saw the grizzly bear coming, he tripped, and he fell down, and he was scrambling to get back up. He rolled over, and at that very instant, the grizzly bear was right upon him, and he cried out to God, and he said, God, please help me. Time stopped. The bear froze. The forest was still. The river stopped flowing. A bright light shone upon the man, and he heard a voice from God saying, you know, you denied my existence for all these years. You taught others that I don't exist. I even gave, I even gave credit of creation to a cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you and out of this predicament? Am I to count you a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light and said, you know, I'd feel like a hypocrite to become a Christian after all these years, but perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. <laughs> Lord said, oh, okay. The light went out, the river began to run, the sounds of the forest resumed, and the bear dropped his right paw, brought both paws together, bowed his head and spoke, Lord, for the food which I'm about to receive, I am truly thankful. The thinking of mankind. That just shows how stupid people are. What man calls right and what God calls morally right and good are two different things. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the truth. If there is any truth in this world, and I'm talking about if there is any truth, and we, God's word is the standard of truth. Jesus said, sanctify them as he's praying to the Father. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. If there's any truth in this world, it comes from God. Satan takes truth and twists it and perverts it. Men love that which God, uh, love that which God says is darkness. Turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse number 19. John chapter 3 and verse number 19. Men love darkness. The dark side. They look, you talk about darkness. What is darkness? Well, it's referred to as evil. John chapter 3 and verse number 19. And it says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And we know that that's Jesus as we saw in John chapter 8 and verse 12. And this is condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness, moral wickedness, rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, or brought to light that they are wrought in God. 
May I share with you that before we were saved, we walked in darkness. We loved the darkness. We loved evil. We loved that thinking. We loved that direction. That's how we lived. That's what we thought was normal. In fact, people say, well, you know what? Just You, you, you need to, to be like everybody else. You know, when we are like everybody else, we are walking in darkness in the world. But Jesus Christ, when we get saved, God takes us from the darkness and causes us to be able to go into the light and, to, and turn those things around. We love the light. We love the truth. Folks, may I share with you today, I think as we stop and ponder this for just a moment, that, that we need to understand that Jesus came into our life when we got saved. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians 1, 27 states, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, when you get saved, God the Father comes to live inside you. Jesus comes to live inside you. The Holy Ghost comes to live inside you. The Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us a new mind when he comes to live inside us, to think a new way. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. God says, old things, the old corrupt, the old evil ways are passed away. You know the problem with some folk is they think that when they get saved that they can still walk in the old evil ways and just have Jesus as, a, as my life insurance policy to get me to heaven. No, no, that's not what happens. When you ask Jesus to be your Savior, he says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. I'm living a new life. I'm thinking of new, new thoughts. I'm going a new direction. As I talk with different preachers, one of the things that I'm hearing from them is this. Many times in churches we have people that are unsaved, that think that they're saved because they come to church, because they sing a couple songs, because they carry a Bible because they talk the, the terms of Christianity. Folks, can I tell you something? That's not what Christianity is. It's not even in agreement with what we say is truth. And you say, boy, yeah, I agree with that. that, that just because you agree with the truth of, of the, the teachings of God's word doesn't make you a Christian. It's when it, we come to the place and we say, you know what? My old way, my old thinking, my old direction was corrupt, is evil. I walked the way of the world. I listened to the world's music. I, I walked and dressed like the world. I talked like the world. My goals, my desires, everything was like the world. And God says, wait a minute. When you get saved, I come to live inside you. And this old stuff is gone. It's a direction you're not going anymore. Now I'm living for Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Notice, but we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. May I share with you the mind of Christ? 
Jesus never thought about the enjoyment of sin and evil. He didn't think about cursing was a good way to express yourself. I remember when I was in high school and I had one of the professors in a short story uh, class that I was, I was taking, he said, you know, when you go to write a short story, you want to express yourself. It's okay to use all sorts of four-letter words you want to. You can put them in there. That's okay. I said, well, you know what? I'm out of this class. This person had a corrupt mind. Folks, you know what? We say, well, you know, you got to get a grade. It doesn't matter. You just got to say what, what they, got, they want you to say in order to get the grade. Well, folks, where are we going to stand up and when are we going to stand up? We are in a time in our nation that if you don't stand up and I don't stand up for Jesus Christ and stand up for the truth of God's word, we are not going to have any freedoms. We need to. Time is, time is running out. I think the Lord's coming soon. That's what's my hope. To look to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The Bible is God's standard of truth. As I quoted to you earlier, John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify, talking about believers, sanctify, set them apart, what? From the world. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. You know what? As a Christian, you're gonna, the world's going to look at you as being strange if you're going to live by the word of God. If I come down and I'm, I'm real buddy-buddy with everybody in the world, and boy, boy, they think I'm just something, you know, better than life, you know, than, than uh, best thing with white bread, and, you know, and, and they look at all this, stuff, boy, you know, that's a good old boy, and yeah, I can be with this group, and they, they don't have any problems with this group over here, that we all get together. My light's not shining. My light's not shining. This morning when I was getting, I was going down to Super One because, you know, they had good coffee and biscuits and gravy. I was down there this morning. I gave the, the lady there one of, our, one of the little tracks, thank you tracks. Yeah, okay. She put that off to the side. You know what? But in that little track has a little seed called the Word of God. Tells her how she can get saved. Tells her how she can get saved. Folks, you know, I know that you go to some of these drive-ins and you go to Taco Bell or some of those different places and you, you give them a track. No, we, don't, we can't elect, accept that here. They want to let us say, well, okay. But you know what? There's some of them that say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read that. Folks, that's an opportunity to get the gospel to that person, to share the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, to, before I got saved, you say, well, Pastor, when did you get saved? I got saved when I was seven years old. I didn't think about any of that stuff. All I thought about was playing, having a good time. But you know what? As the Lord began to start working my life, I started realizing that people are lost and without Jesus Christ, they're going to die and go to hell. They need a Savior. That's the reason why even people today, when we're looking, at, we're thinking about our, our president, and people, man, they get all fired up, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not in agreement with the, with the direction that he's going. But I'm telling you today, he and his wife and his family if they don't have Jesus as their Savior. And I'm not talking about using the name Jesus because that doesn't mean anything. The devils believe that, there's a, that, they're, that Jesus is a person. They tremble. We don't even tremble today at the name of Jesus. But unless he gets saved, he's going to die and be in hell for eternity. So, well, it doesn't affect me. Maybe you just don't have the heart of God. 
God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. In the death of the wicked. When we get saved, God comes into our heart. He puts a new purpose, a new direction in our heart. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, the word, Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto my path. As we study the Bible, we are taught by the Spirit of God what is morally right and, and what is wrong. The Bible says in John 16, 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Folks, we need to be concerned about the truth. We're so caught up in this misinformation and all this garbage that people are trying to, to the woke thinking and all this uh, uh, thinking of the day, and we're, we're buying into those things. What does the truth say about all this stuff? I submit to you that God loves everyone. God loves people, and God wants people to be saved. As we study the Word of God, we'll know what's right and wrong. We no longer have to walk in moral darkness because Jesus, the Word of God, made flesh, is in our life. And we can see the right way to go. Jesus said, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I don't have to be stumbling around any longer to know what's right and what's wrong. I can read the Bible. And I can, I can know it for myself. There's a lot of Christians that are stumbling around all over the place. So, well, you know, Pastor, I just don't understand what God's will is for my life. Oh, can I tell you something? You can know what God's will is for your life. You can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and you will only be able to do that by studying and memorizing the Word of God and yielding your life to whatever God says for you to do. Because of Jesus, not only do we not have to stumble any longer in darkness, but because of Jesus, we need not fear. We need not fear. You know, there are many folk that have various fears today, do they not? Misophobia is a, the fear of dirt. Some of you have a fear of dirt. Man, get all the dirt out, dirt out. Some say, Pastor, no problem. Just bring in the dirt. Well, misophobia, hey, have fear of dirt. Some have hydrophobia. It's a fear of water. Neclophobia is the fear of darkness. That's why you got to have that nightlight on. I have to have a nightlight on so I don't stumble and kill myself with all these things that my wife's got in the, in the, the walkway in our thing. Now, they're all pretty decorations. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, they, they made, these, they made these, these halls nice and wide so you can walk through them. And so then my wife's got a thing here, and my daughter's got something over here, and, and, and she's got all these little pictures on here. Before we put a nightlight in there, uh, I was walking through, and I, you know, you just, as you're in the night, you don't, can't see where you're going. So you go, boom, and then all of a sudden, ding, 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 ding all the pictures fall off of there, and, it, and the noise and the clatter, it sounds like I'm, fall, you know, I'm tearing the house down in the middle of the night. So I'm trying to put these things back up, you know. Fear of the dark. No, it's just so you'd be able to see. But some people have a fear of darkness. Acrophobia is a fear of high places. You know, you see some of these people working on these high, high bridges and the iron works, and, and they look, you know, I've seen some of those places, uh, watch some of these guys that work on these high towers, those electrical towers, 
and they have helicopters to get them up there while they're working up there, and they look way down there. You say, hmm, you know, some, some of you might be like this as you're walking across a bridge, and it's a long way down to the, the water down there, kind of like, I mean, you got your on a bridge. You got, you got solid ground, but I don't fall. That crack is that big. You're going to fall through the crack. I don't know. Taxophobia. That's not the IRS, folks. That's a fear of being buried alive. Um, xenophobia is a fear of strangers. Yeah, some of us got that. Necrophobia is a fear of the dead. Claustrophobia is a fear of confined places. Maybe you're something like that in those elevators that go up and you know you get sometimes they jam those things up and there are people are right like right here you know I get kind of claustrophobic when somebody's head's right here in my face but the Bible tells us in 2nd Timothy 1 7 for God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind remember Psalm 23 turn there very quickly Psalm chapter 23 a familiar portion of scripture, Psalm chapter 23. David, who had tended sheep, he understood this thing about sheep and a shepherd. Remember he told about one of the little lambs that was caught by a lion and one was caught by a bear and he went and he slayed the lion and the bear took that little sheep out of the, out of the mouth of the lion and the bear. Psalm 23, in verse number 1, it says, the Lord, is my, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for purpose, for thou art with me. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fear what comes ahead. One might ask, well, who's the Lord that David is talking about? Jesus said in John 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Jesus was the one who was leading and guiding David. The person who has received Jesus as their Savior does not need to worry or fret about what lies ahead. Why is that? Because thou art with me. The believer will never be left alone. Hebrews 13.5, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He will not leave you in the hard times. Jesus will be there to help you and strengthen you and to pick you up when you stumble along the way. What a tremendous comfort that is. All because of Jesus. I want you to see the third thing very quickly and we close today. Because of Jesus, we have an assurance that God the Father will hear and answer our prayers. Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse number 11. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. Toward the back of your Bible, 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 11. And this is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. 
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Hey, folks, we can know that we have eternal life. We don't have to hope so or, well, you know, uh, maybe. No, no, no so. God has given us a promise. If we have Jesus, we've asked him to be our Savior, we have eternal life. You say, well, I come to church. That's not what it's talking about. It talks about the issue of receiving Jesus. You have him. You put your confidence, your faith in Jesus only to get you to heaven. Nothing else. But notice verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, in Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Prayer, just putting that term prayer in simple terms is talking to the Heavenly Father. You know, we're instructed to come to God's throne with our petitions. In Luke 11, verse 2, it says, And he said unto them, Jesus speaking, when ye pray, say, Our Father which, is, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Hebrews 4, 16, he says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are told to pray to God the Father in Jesus' name. In John 16, verses 23 and 24, it says, Jesus speaking, And in that day ye shall ask me nothing, He's getting ready to die on the cross and, and be buried and rise again. There's coming a time when you're no longer going to ask Jesus like they would do. Hey, Lord, we got 5,000 people. How are we going to take care of all this? They would just come up and talk to him like I'm talking to you right now. But he says there's coming a time when you're not going to be able to do that like that. But So what do you do? What do you do? Well, it's very simple. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Where, or where to... Uh, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. I'm going to be with my Father. What are you supposed to do when you have a need? Go to the Father. You ask the Father in Jesus' name. He's the authority on the check. We can have confidence that the Father both hears and will answer our prayers because of Jesus. Do you have some burdens today? Why not talk to the Heavenly Father about those burdens? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Are you facing some giants in your life that, that you don't feel like you can overcome? Well, why not talk to your Heavenly Father? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. As we conclude today, I want you to consider that God the Father has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It is because of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have all these things. Are you learning to lean more on Jesus every day? Are you claiming God's promises for your life? Are you seeking to apply God's promises to your life? If you are, you'll find that you'll be a fruitful Christian and and will live and glorify the Lord. The other question that I want to ask you today is this. Are you saved today? Do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? If not, why not put your trust and faith in the only way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ? 
Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. God says you're a sinner. He provided a savior, Jesus Christ. If you will acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner and that you're, will, you're willing to turn from your sin, I'm not saying clean up your life and then come to Jesus. No, just say, you know what, God, I'm willing to turn from that, but I'm going to turn to Jesus because he's the answer. And I'm going to ask him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to put my trust. I'm going to pray to God the Father and receive Jesus into my heart and into my life today. And I'm going to be saved. Greatest decision you can ever make in your life. I pray if you've never done that, you'd do it today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the truth of thy word. I thank you, Lord, that we are able to rejoice in the things that Jesus has done for us. We no longer have to stumble in darkness. We have the light of life. Lord, we don't have to fear. So many people are fearful today. But when we come to Jesus, we don't have to worry and fret. We can just rest in our wonderful Savior. And Father, we can have the assurance that our prayers are answered because of Jesus. He's made it so that we have access to the Father. And by Him, we can know that that our prayers are heard. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And Father, today I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would never let those precious truths grow cold in our heart. But Lord, there may be one without Jesus today. Whether they be here in the audience or listening over the internet. I pray that they would put their trust and faith in Jesus today with no one looking around. As you're thinking about your life, do you know that for certain that you're on your way to heaven? Do you have that confidence? If not, let me encourage you right now to receive Jesus as your Savior. He's knocking at your heart's door. He wants to come in. If you'll acknowledge that you're a sinner and pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior, he will save you today. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, you can pray and ask Jesus into your heart. You can say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I want him to come into my heart and into my life and save me today. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to Jesus. I want him to save me. In Jesus' name. With no one looking around, if you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. I'd love to pray for you, if you'd allow me to, as you begin your new life. It's a wonderful life. And God will help you. Say, Pastor, you know what? Today I, I prayed and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up for just a moment? And put it back down, is there anyone? If you're watching on the internet and you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, please let us know so we can pray for you. It's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. Dear Father, we thank you today for all that you've done.
And Father, in this invitation time, I pray that you would just once again work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? We're going to sing Just As I Am Without One Plea.